0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. So coming up on this Wednesday edition, the Consumer Price Index rose even higher than experts had predicted, increasing 9.1% over last year.
2: This morning, this all-democratic government produced yet another absolutely terrible, terrible inflation report. Inflation during the month of June shattered the experts' predictions. We are now, listen to this, at 9.1 percent annual inflation.
1: That was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor earlier today. We'll talk later with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who, along with other Republican members of the Senate Finance Committee, held a press conference this afternoon responding to the record level of inflation. Also on Capitol Hill today, the Democrat-led Senate held a hearing in the Senate Health Committee entitled Reproductive Care in a Post-Roe America, Barriers, Challenges, and Threats to Women's Health. Here's what one of their witnesses had to say about abortion.
3: For some, abortion is liberation. There's a lot of good that comes from a people's ability to access abortion, and I want to celebrate that.
1: That was Dr. Kristen Brandy. Wow. That's incredible. Celebrate abortion. Never have the two sides been farther apart. We'll talk with Kansas Senator Dr. Roger Marshall, who is a member of that committee in just a moment. And speaking of abortion, while the president claims addressing inflation is his top priority, abortion is his top activity. The administration is pledging to make chemical abortions available to women everywhere in the U.S. Question is, is this safe? What does the medical science actually tell us? We'll talk with Dr. Ingrid Scott a little later here on Washington Watch. And as we uh, discussed briefly yesterday, the left is trying to militarize abortion by using the annual National Defense Authorization Act to advance their abortion agenda. But that's not all they're doing with the NDAA, the annual funding bill for the military. This has been commandeered by the left, and that's prompted the House Freedom Caucus to call on Republicans to vote against the funding measure unless it's changed. We'll talk with Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss a little later. And finally, an unbelievable, unbelievable, and I know it's here in D.C., it's becoming more and more outlandish what we're hearing on Capitol Hill. But this was an exchange yesterday between Kiara Bridges, a law professor at UC Berkeley, and Missouri Senator Josh Hawley.
4: I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow,
2: you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies?
4: So I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important. Because of my
2: line of questioning? Because we can't talk about it?
4: Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist
2: I'm denying that trans true. people exist by asking you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do
4: you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant?
1: No, I don't think
2: can get <laughs> So pregnant. you
4: are denying that trans people exist? That-
1: <sighs> wow. Where do you begin with such nonsense? Uh, Dr. Laura Haynes, a licensed psychologist, will uh, set the record straight on this claim that opposing transgender nonsense causes suicide. We're going to talk about that later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you, so be sure and check it out. Also, also, WashingtonStand.com. That's our new news and commentary from a biblical perspective site. You can get news on a daily basis, actually ongoing basis each day as we have reporters covering everything that's happening here in Washington and around the world. All right, our word for today coming from Stand on the Word, the Bible reading plan, is found in Psalm 37. It's verses 23 and 24, and this is what it says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, that is a tremendous promise and a source of comfort, knowing that as we trust and obey the Lord, he will establish our steps, and if and when we stumble, he catches us and holds us up. To be a part of our Bible reading plan, just go to frc.org. bible All right. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last month, legislators on the left have sought any and every angle they can to try to roll back the protections for the unborn and take the rights back away from the states. Well, today, the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions, as well as the House Oversight Committee, held hearings on both abortion and life in post-Roe America. Ultimately, the authority for abortion laws in this country has now been returned to the states. So how would the left maneuver to continue pushing their obsession with abortion? Join me now to discuss this and more is Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, who practiced medicine for more than 25 years, delivered more than 5,000 babies as an OBGYN, is also a member of the Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions. Dr. Marshall, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you.
5: Tony, it's great to see you as well.
1: You spoke passionately for the cause of life today in the Senate committee. In fact, you kind of took the lead in that hearing. What is your overall impression of the the hearing from today?
5: Well, yeah. Well, Tony, first of all, let me thank you and FRC for helping me out. Uh, We were notified of this hearing maybe two days ago. And as I started doing my research, one of their arguments is having an abortion is safer than having a baby. And I just got to tell you, I had writer's block. I didn't know what, how do you respond to such an absurd statement? But your research team gave me great ammunition. And what, you know, you pointed out that, uh, look, Washington, D.C. has the most liberal pro-abortion laws in the land, but they also had the highest maternal mortality rates. What a great fact to push back on him, saying, Look, more, more abortions is not the solution to this problem. Uh, so thank you for your research team. And my overall take on this is they are fear mongering. They are lying through their teeth. And it doesn't, what you even point out, the lie, they just double down on it. So they are trying to function at the emotional level and, and pulling down women with them. And of course, just no respect at all for the unborn baby.
1: I mean, several myths that they are pushing out there, Senator, and you kind of took them down one by one. But but one is that, oh, now women who have uh, ectopic pregnancies or they have miscarriages, they're going to be denied health care.
5: Right. So that's their scare tactic. They're trying to scare women and tell them they're not going to be taken care of. But look, I've never performed an abortion. I'm a pro-life physician. But I've taken care of hundreds of women with ectopic pregnancies and hundreds more with miscarriages. Of course, we're going to take care of them. In our residency training, we were taught, don't let the sun set on an ectopic pregnancy. So our physicians will continue to take care of women with these problems in the, in the emergency room. Uh, we'll do it, hopefully, before it becomes you know, immediately life-threatening. Every trigger law out there that maintains protection for the life of the mother.
1: Yeah, and, and when you are, I mean, the, the mother is the first patient. You're trying to help the mother, and if in the process the the baby expires, that's not an abortion. You are working to save the life of the mother. And, and the, as you said, these are scare tactics that they're using. But I'm going to talk later about the dangers here with the abortion uh, pill that this administration is pushing, that those who have an ectopic pregnancy might not know it and uh, may die as a result of not having that face-to-face Medical uh, council with a, uh, a doctor. I, I want to go back to your first point about uh, what right where we're at here in Washington, D.C., where they have some of the most liberal. In fact, they want to expand it even further. They're having uh, c- council meetings this week actually discussing that. But you have put forth an area where we could have common ground and that is the prenatal care, making sure that these mothers have access to the health care and, and the needs that they have, whether nutritional or whatever. Um, can we not find common ground with the Democrats on that?
5: I, I sure hope so, Tony. And this is where your listeners are so good at helping out. There are excellent community centers out there, prenatal clinics that are, that are helping moms. And it's way more than just what I can do as an obstetrician. These young moms need social support. They need nutritional support. They just need help. We want to. We want them to finish their education. A whole lot of things that we can do to give them a, a emotional support. And dude, we had a clinic called the Stanton Clinic here today. That's from Idaho, but there are four family clinics like that to every Planned Parenthood clinic. So we're doing it. We can do more. We can do more to help impact uh, this high maternal mortality. The number one thing we could do is to get pregnant moms in for early prenatal care and then regular prenatal care as well.
1: So the Democrats are so focused on this. It's it's unbelievable. But the, as I mentioned earlier, the contrast between the two ideologies has never been clearer You've got one celebrating a court decision that allows uh, people to help mothers make the choice to bring a child to life. Uh, Others, you have uh, wanting to celebrate the right of a woman to abort her child and end its life. The Democrats pushing in this week uh, for another vote to try to codify Roe v. Wade into law in the House. It'll go back over to the Senate. What does it look like in the Senate now?
5: Well, Tony, they're not going to have 60 votes to do anything right now. Uh, Particularly on this issue, there might be a couple Republicans to vote for something, but it, it'll take 60. But then they're going to try to attack the filibuster again. And you've done a good job educating uh, your listener uh, listeners on the filibuster, and I won't go through that that again. But but once again, I think we'll be able to stop it uh, thanks to the filibuster.
1: Uh, By the way, uh, you represent Kansas. I'm going to be coming to Kansas here very shortly to help promote the value them both campaign. This Kansas is going to be the first state where voters will weigh in on abortion post row with a constitutional amendment. Explain that to our listeners and our viewers.
6: Well,
5: first of all, vote yes on value them both. We value both the life of the mother and the baby. Very briefly, the Kansas Supreme Court, de novo, decided that women have a constitutional right to an abortion, and they voided all of the protections we had given to both the mom and the unborn baby. So this constitutional amendment will come to a vote August the 2nd. We encourage people to vote yes, to value them both. And this is how upset the White House is about it. Last week, the White House hosted an event with Kansas State legislatures helping them with a strategy to defeat this. So now Joe Biden not only wants to give us 9% inflation, drive up groceries and, and our gases, uh, gas prices, but now he wants to get involved in, Kansas, in the Kansas constitutional amendments. So thank you for doing it, Tony. We appreciate it. And again, we encourage everybody to vote yes to value both the mom and the baby.
1: Yeah, so folks, uh, be sure and uh, early voting starts actually this week. And so, you, if you're early voting, make sure you vote for this constitutional amendment. Value them both, and of course, and talk to your family and friends. There's a website there as well. It looks pretty good, but I think, uh, Senator, as always, it's going to it's going to come down to turnout.
5: You know, I, absolutely. I, I don't know how it's looking to be honest. Uh, the Democrats are going to pull out all the stops right now. Tony, this is a spiritual battle for the soul of the nation right now. God is, is letting us see how bad things could bit, could look. And I wake up some days thinking this is Sodom and Gomorrah. So it, but God's going to give us a chance. And like you said, this is the first chance to push back uh, on the Democrats. And that's why it is so important that we do get out and vote. It's a primary election. Uh, typically, Democrats don't turn out for primaries. Uh, But we have every reason to turn out. Every Kansan has every reason. Uh, Just think of all those unborn babies that we're helping to protect.
1: And we're certainly going to encourage them to do just that. Uh, Dr. Roger Marshall, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today and a great job in the committee today. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, if you live in Kansas, and I know we've got a lot of our listeners in Kansas, make sure you're turning out to vote for value them both constitutional amendments. All right, coming up, the House Freedom Caucus is urging Republicans to oppose the annual defense funding measure, the NDAA. Why? We discuss this and more with Congressman Jody Heiss after the break. Don't go away.
5: Would you like to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible.
7: Learn more at FRC.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. All right. Make plans now to join us for the Pray Vote, Stand Summit this year. It's September the 14th through the 16th at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Pray Vote Stand for Life. To find out more, go to tonyperkins.com and follow the links over. The Justice Department announced this week a reproductive rights task force that will devote federal legal resources to assist with access to abortion on demand. Now, this comes as Attorney General Merrick Garland has ignored, ignored, repeated requests from Republican senators to investigate the surge of violence against churches, pregnancy resource centers, and other pro-life organizations, which we're tracking, over 60 now. Now, we've seen this before from the Garland's DOJ, such as when they warned that parents at school board meetings were domestic terrorists, while ignoring violence from the left. Join me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Jody Heise. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, House Committee on Natural Resources. He represents Georgia's 10th congressional district. Uh, Jody, welcome back to the program.
0: Thanks, Tony. Great to be with you.
1: Hey, before we get into this uh, this topic of the, the DOJ, I, I want to uh, ask you about this with the House Freedom Caucus calling on Republican members to oppose the National Defense Authorization Act. That's the annual funding bill for the military. And they say, stand with our service members to protect our military and oppose the NDAA. Uh, Republicans apparently tried to amend it to address several concerning issues, and they were blocked. Give us the latest on this.
0: Yeah, Tony, I I really cannot understand why any Republican would vote for this NDAA as it currently exists. This is a radical left-wing defense authorization bill. It is coming straight from the Democrats' radical agenda agenda. But even there, the Democrats do not have the votes to pass it on their own. So if for no other reason, this gives the Republicans a tremendous opportunity for leverage to get good things in the Defense Authorization Act to eliminate some of the woke agenda that is currently in it that the Democrats are trying to push. And yet uh, so far, we're we're not having uh, much help from our leadership in this regard. Uh, so we are taking the lead as the Freedom Caucus, uh, both in uh, publicly announcing our opposition to the NDAA, but also encouraging our colleagues to do the same in the Republican conference. This is a horrible bill as it currently stands. And uh, look, the, the Army, our military right now cannot even recruit. Uh, they're only at about 40 percent of their standard recruiting. Right. Uh, and why is that? It's because people who want to be soldiers. They want to defend our, mili- our our country. They want to be a part of a military that is strong uh, and not a military that is filled with sensitivity training and woke ideology. And that's the type of thing that has destroyed our military, is destroying our military, is preventing our military from reaching their recruitment goals. And now is the time for us to utilize the leverage we have and try to turn this thing around.
1: You mentioned they're not able to meet their retru- recruiting goals. They're at 40, about 40 percent. But at the same time, they're dismissing uh, thousands of soldiers uh, from the Army and other branches of the service are doing the uh, doing the same as well because they won't get the vaccine. They won't get the shot. It's not a vaccine. The shot for COVID, which we now know is really ineffective. So these are the types of things that could be addressed in the NDAA, but they're only continuing the left leaning uh, radical policies, you said, of this administration. So this is the time. And I know that uh, Republicans really hate to vote against the NDAA because it's seen as voting against the military. But in this case, voting against it is a vote for the military.
0: That's exactly right. And listen, you bring up an excellent point. We've already gotten rid of somewhere in the ballpark of 60,000 of our servicemen and women uh, over this vaccine issue. At the same time, uh, we're nowhere close to even recruiting replacements, and so look, we have navy seals uh, who are who are, have been forced out. We have pilots uh that are and and the money the training the time involved uh, to get pilots ready to fight is no uh overnight issue. It is a long intense uh, uh training process, and so we have gotten rid of some sixty thousand while at the same time not reaching our our goals in terms of recruitment, this is our moment to take a stand. And I I just, uh, I I can't urge my colleagues enough to step up right now and not support this NDAA as it currently stands.
1: All right. So, Jody, when's the the vote going to take place most likely?
0: It's looking like it's going to be tomorrow, Tony. And so we don't have much time. We're trying to get the word out and we're trying to, uh, educate our, right. our own colleagues right now on this issue.
1: So, folks, uh, you need to call your member of Congress, and, and I'll, during the break here, I'll look up the, uh, I can't remember the switchboard number off the top of my head, but I'll get that in, uh, if you'll call your member of Congress and encourage them to stand with the conservatives and not support this woke funding bill for our nation's military. All right, Jody, before we run out of time, you've been very outspoken about the violence against churches and pregnancy resource centers Now we have the Department of Justice creating this reproductive rights task force. I mean, what's going on here?
0: Unbelievable. What business is it of the Department of Justice to create a task force to challenge state and local governments and the people of our country who choose to stand for life as opposed to abortion? And here comes the Department of Justice creating a task force to go after these uh, states and, and local governments totally out of uh, out of their jurisdiction and breaking uh, longstanding precedent of acknowledging court decisions for what they are and allowing our republic to function as a republic with the voice of the people uh, being the top priority. And here comes the Department of Justice because, again, they have swallowed hook, line, and sinker Uh, This radical left wing woke ideology of the Democratic Party, which obviously includes abortion, and they are going after uh, with with, uh, the states and so forth with this task force, totally wrong in every way. And uh, look, this is, again, something that needs to be exposed right now. And, uh, you know, every ounce of pressure that we can apply needs to be put forward right now to try to stop this
1: Incredible. Everything going on, they don't focus on the real problems. They focus on their top priorities, which are not the nation's priorities. Congressman Jody Heiss, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tom. All right. And folks, the uh, switchboard number, capital switchboard number is 202 224 That's 202 224 You call your member of Congress and encourage him. As the National Defense Authorization Act currently stands to oppose it all right don't go away more washington watch on the other side of this break
7: are you a university student do you know a university student specifically one who wants to grow as a christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture look no further Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully-funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply.
6: What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood.
1: Back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website tonyperkins.com. Last Friday, when it was reported that a ten-year-old girl from Ohio was transported out of the state for an abortion, President Biden had this to say: Just last week, it was reported that a ten-year-old girl was a rape victim in Ohio. Ten years old, and she was forced to have to travel out of the state to Indiana. To seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. That's last part is my judgment. Ten years old. It was actually terminate the pregnancy, not the presidency. But nothing was said about the heinous act and trauma that led to the pregnancy. Now, there was an arrest made yesterday. Of course, no, the left's not talking about that. But it was it was an arrest was made yesterday of a 27 year old man that, according to several media reports, is an illegal. Immigrant. All right. I bring this up because if the Biden administration succeeds in their efforts to make chemical abortions, the new norm, cases like this will be swept under the rug. Additionally, medical experts say women will die from the complications of chemical abortions without medical supervision. Joining me now to discuss this is Dr. Ingrid Skopp, Senior Fellow and Director of Medical Affairs for the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Dr. Skopp, welcome to Washington Watch.
3: Thank you for having me, Tony. All
1: right, you recently uh, worked with uh, Mary Sock here to put together a, a basically a, a, a paper that addresses some of the issues regarding chemical abortions. Walk our audience through this abortion method and where things stand today and the problems associated with it.
3: Yeah, there is so much misinformation about medical abortion. Um, It consists of two pills, mifepristone and misoprostol, and um, it's been approved by the FDA since uh, the year 2000, but over time, they're progressively taking away the supervision that has always um, accompanied it. Um, Just recently, using the COVID pandemic, um, COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse they took away all in-person supervision. So what that means is that women can order this by telemedicine. They can order it over the internet. They can get it delivered by mail without ever encountering a doctor. Um, There's no physical examination or ultrasound to determine how far along in the pregnancy the woman is Um, because these medications work by cutting off hormonal support and then causing contractions. Um, the further along a woman is, the more likely it is to fail. When it fails, um, there, the woman is at risk for infection. She's at risk for hemorrhage. And that tissue that does not pass out has to be removed surgically. Even under the prior recommendations, um, using it up to 10 weeks gestation, about 5 to 8% of the time it does fail and the woman needs surgery. But in this new world where nobody's even checking to find out how far along she is, it's gonna fail more frequently. Um, some good studies out of Scandinavian countries show that about 40% of the time in the second trimester it fails. Um, additionally, we're see, we've seen a lot of media concern about ectopic pregnancies. Well, the, the state laws that restrict abortion allow treatment of ectopic pregnancy Um, But ectopic pregnancy can be a life-threatening condition, and it is impossible to know without doing an ultrasound whether a woman has a pregnancy in her fallopian tube. So giving these chemical abortion pills without supervision means that women will have ectopic pregnancies undiagnosed. The medical abortion uh, does not work on an ectopic pregnancy, and those can rupture, and women have died undergoing abortion when the ectopic was not diagnosed. Um, Additionally, um, no one's checking anymore for Rh um, negativity, which occurs in 15% of the population. Um, when that happens, if a woman does not receive a Rogam injection, she can uh, form a, an immune response to her future pregnancies that can cause brain damage and death for future babies. And of course, very concerningly, no one is checking to see if it's really the woman who wants the abortion. Um, sex traffickers, incestuous abusers, as you mentioned, um, and even boyfriends who don't want to become fathers can get these pills and they can provide them to women surreptitiously or against their will and cause them to have abortions that they don't desire.
1: So, Dr. Scott, I have to ask this question. How is this a compassionate approach to women?
3: Well, it, it's not a compassionate approach at all. Um uh, chemical abortions have four times as many complications as surgical abortions. Uh, the abortion industry has been teeing this up for some time. Every year we see more and more higher percentage of abortions are provided chemically. And I think they've been doing this because they recognized that the time would come when restrictions would be put in place as they're being done currently. And they wanted to have the ability to get abortions to women in restrictive states. Um, I'm in Texas. Obviously, there's a big push to to promote these pills to women online. And when these complications happen, we're not gonna have a very good ability to pick up the complications. Um, All of the data about abortion in our country is voluntarily reported. Um, Charlotte Lozier um, performed a study where we bought Medicaid data from 17 states that do pay for abortions through Medicaid. And we discovered that about 60% of the time when women come into an emergency room with a complication of the abortion, about 60% of the time it's miscoded as a miscarriage complication. Hmm. So even those who want to look for complications are not going to be able to find them because of the coding deficiency. And, and we
1: can certainly rest assured they're not going to bend over backwards to try to get information collected now. Uh, they're going to try no. to keep this under the cover of darkness as much as possible. Dr. Scott,
3: that's what they depend on is is the American public are ignorant about the fact that we really cannot track complications. Yeah,
1: absolutely right. Dr. Scott, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today.
3: Thank you, Tony.
1: Folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more right after this.
6: What is biblical masculinity?
7: Visit FRC.org slash internships to apply.
1: You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. All right. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Senator Chuck Rass a little bit. He's going to be weighing in on the record-breaking inflation, 9.1 report uh, released earlier this morning, Nine, one, a 9.1% increase over last year. But first, the University of California, Berkeley, has been known over the decades as university system's most radically progressive, or I would say regressive, campus, espousing dangerous ideologies that generations of uh, college students will carry forth. But Berkeley School of Law professor Kara Bridges stands apart with her Senate testimony yesterday. Listen to this exchange between her and Senator Josh Hawley.
4: I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that.
2: Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies?
4: So I am I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important. Because of for, my
2: line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it?
4: Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist
2: I'm is denying that, that trans people exist by asking you? you if you're talking are you? about women are having pregnancies. Do
4: you believe that uh, men can get pregnant?
1: No, I don't
2: think can <laughs> so. So
4: you're denying that trans people exist. That-
1: <laughs> oh wow! I just I, I still can't believe that this is actually that actually happened. Well, joining me to uh, set the record straight on this is Dr. Laura Haines, a licensed psychologist. Uh, Dr. Haynes, welcome to uh, Washington Watch.
8: Good to be with you, Tony.
1: All right. Um, I mean, this is just it's kind of crazy. We're even having these conversations. But, you know, can a biological man get pregnant?
8: Well, I can't conceive of a way (laughs) that a biological man can conceive a baby.
1: So this was a part of the really her launching into this idea that because he, Senator, recognizes biology and that a man cannot get pregnant, he's somehow acting violently towards transgender people, which causes them to commit suicide. So you're a licensed psychologist. You've done years of training in your profession. Is stating a mere biological reality that a man cannot become pregnant an actual act of violence?
8: Well, uh, Tony, there's a view out there that uh, you have to affirm a people who have gender-incongruent identity, and you have to give them gender-affirming treatments, or they will be suicidal. But it just doesn't stand up to, to research. Uh, the best long-term research we have, in fact, comes out of the Netherlands as a study of 45 years, nearly half a century, of all adolescents and adults who went through the largest gender facility, university facility in the country, and this is one of the countries with the oldest history and experience with this. So over nearly half a century of increasing societal affirmation and gender-affirming treatments, the suicide rates of gender-incongruent people continue to be several times higher than that of the population with little to no change. And in Sweden, people who had these gender treatments, um, so hormones and surgeries, had 19 times higher rate of suicides than their peers from the population. Um, and uh, and then another study in Sweden, more recently, found that those who had these treatments and those who didn't have these treatments, there was no no difference in their psychiatric uh, need for psychiatric services for psychological problems or in hospitalizations following suicide attempts.
1: So those are some really good points, Dr. Haynes, that, you know, we have these studies that uh, give us some idea of what these types of treatments do or don't do. But is not one of the challenges we have right now is that, We're not being able to we're not allowed to study these things. We we have the laugh that is uh, saying, oh, we we can't do the research. We just have to accept what they're putting forth as the truth.
8: Well, actually, research is being done. It's just not being talked about. Uh, In fact, a very important point here is uh, research coming out of the United States and Finland and some other places Showing that actually these suicidality rates precede the onset of gender dysphoria in most adolescents. So we have a study in the United States from an HMO that had 8.8 million members. The study went over six years, six to eight years. It looked at all adolescents and children who had gender incongruence and it looked at their electronic medical refer- records kept in real time. And they found that. They had higher rates of psychiatric disorders, neurodevelopmental disabilities, um, suicidality, and self injuring behavior before first medical record evidence of gender incongruence. In fact, a third of children had these conditions before gender incongruent evidence, and 71% of adolescent boys and 75% of adolescent girls. And similarly, in Finland, in one of their two uh, gender facilities at a university, it was at a university. Um, they found that uh, uh, looked at all the adolescents over two years who went through their university gender facility, and they found that seventy-five percent had suicidal had psychiatric disorders. They were um, severe and seldom were secondary to their gender dysphoria. So suicidality that preexists gender dysphoria. Just can't be caused by failure to affirm them or give them puberty blockers or hormones or medical treatments, well, and not looking at this is dangerous and harmful to them.
1: Well, I would think that this only compounds the problem when we now have many states that are putting forth these counseling bans, so that when a, a child comes out, a young person comes out and says, "I'm I'm tra- I'm, I'm transgender I'm you know gender fluid whatever." that they cannot get counseling. So what you're saying is there's underlying issues here that preceded the transgender, the uh, gender dysphoria that is, is much deeper. And now they can't touch it in many of these states.
8: It's being neglected. It's neglect, and medical neglect. And, and it's based on a confusion that gender dysphoria is a biological inborn trait. Well, we know it isn't. The American Psychiatric Association says in its Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that it is not an intersex condition of the brain. And there's a global consensus statement by endocrine societies around the world that says that there is no consistent evidence that the brains of gender incongruent people are different from the brains of gender congruent people. In fact, it says there is no biological marker for gender incongruence there's no way someone can find something biological in a person that is biological incongruence, uh incongruent identity. They, they can't look at their brains. They can't give medical tests. There's nothing biological they can find.
1: Wow. This is uh, this is alarming that we're really playing with the life and well-being of an entire generation by playing politics. Uh, with this, uh, Dr. Haynes, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. And I want to thank you for speaking out uh, so clearly on this in a in a, a field of science, quite frankly, that's becoming very, very timid. And uh, we're grateful for those voices of clarity.
8: Thank you. Good to be with you, Tony.
1: All right. Wow, it's alarming. They're just trying to they're trapping these young people uh, into these uh choices that are really a lot of we've we've talked about this before being driven a lot by social media forces. Anyway, uh, I want to move on. I mentioned earlier in the program, but according to the Labor Department data released today, rising inflation surged past expectations in uh, in June to nine point one percent. That's the highest in more than 40 years. Now, The president says fighting inflation is his top priority, but the actions of his administration certainly don't reflect it. Join me now to discuss this and more. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. He is the ranking member on the Senate Judiciary Committee, but he's also on the Senate Finance Committee. He was a part of a press conference earlier today with uh, Republican colleagues speaking out on this issue. Senator, welcome back to the program.
9: I'm glad to be back with you. Thank you for having me.
1: Always good to see you, Senator. So your reaction to these latest uh, inflation numbers?
9: well uh let me speak from the standpoint of iowa on two respects number one i've been hearing about cost of living and inflation at each one of my county meetings Uh, i did 17 of them last week and this is number one on people's minds so after 9.1 even when we thought earlier this week it was going to go down now it's up dramatically uh i'm going to hear more about it secondly uh, latest figures say that it's costing Iowa families $670 a month uh, more than when President Biden became president of the United States. So they shouldn't be talking about increasing taxes or more spending, feeding the fires of inflation. They should stop this Build Back Better effort that Schumer's trying to promote once again. And I hope Manchin and Cinema will uh, stick fast to their previous opinions that we shouldn't be feeding the fires of inflation.
1: You know, the president says that focusing on inflation is his top priority, but his actions tell us a different story. I mean, every time I hear the president speaking, he's talking about trying to get abortion pills into people's hands. He's talking about, you know, his transgender agenda. He's talking about the left's social and radical energy policy through the green deal. Um, What should the president be doing to get a handle on this?
9: He ought to be reversing the policies that he put in in the first few months he was in office. Half of this 9% increase in inflation is directly related to his energy policies. And his energy policies is to shut down the production of uh, energy in the United States. And when you have less of something, you're going to pay more for it. So if you want to get prices down, produce more. And we got the capability of producing more energy and biofuels and alternative energies of all kinds. But uh, in regard to uh, the, the, the energy you put in your car, uh, he wants to stop that. So look at how silly it is. That he's on his way or maybe he's in Saudi Arabia right now asking them to send us more oil when we have it right here. You can't stop drilling and put more regulations on fracking and tell the banks not to loan money uh, to energy companies and uh, stop pipeline building without dramatic and drastic uh, uh, reaction in the economy. And you're seeing it now with 9% inflation. So just reverse that.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not hard. Um, it just takes a little common sense and willpower to stand up against the radical left. Um, before we run out of time, Senator Grassley, we, I don't think we've had a chance to uh, to talk since uh, these historic Supreme Court decisions, the one overturning Roe v. Wade, the one regarding religious freedom with Coach Kennedy. I, I want to just say uh, thank you. You're now the ranking member, but you were the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and you played a major role in leading to the current makeup of the court. I mean, this has to be a gratifying moment for you, despite all of the other stuff we're talking about.
9: There has been very dramatic movement that six years ago, when I sat on Garland uh, not having a hearing so he could be on the Supreme Court, not knowing that Trump was going to be elected, but following the precedent that Democrats set, that a new president ought to pick the people for the Supreme Court, We got Gorsuch and Kavanaugh I chaired, and then when Senator Sessions or Senator uh, Graham was chairman of the committee, we got uh, Barrett, and so we got a 63 court, and that shows up in several very important decisions, religious freedoms, uh, putting clamps on uh, bureaucrats through the West Virginia case, and then you've got the abortion case, and uh, quite uh, quite a string of victories. And I'm glad to be a part in getting uh, the Supreme Court to what it is today.
1: Well, as you mentioned, the nominations made by President Trump, and that's because you had a lot of pro-lifers that were voting and got involved in elections over the decades. President responded. But again, uh, you and Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, making sure that these judges and justices were a top priority for the Senate. So I want to, on behalf of pro-life Americans, uh, Senator Grassley, I want to thank you for your leadership.
9: And I've had a pro-life voting record my entire political career, and I'm proud of that because I think life in the womb is very much worth saving. And it's a shame that we devalue life the way it does, because that carries over to life outside the womb, that it's going to be easier to devalue devalue that, any life, and uh, no No person of religious convictions of any kind, but particularly born-again Christians, should be aware of the fact that, and they are aware of the fact, that life is precious in the womb or outside.
1: You're absolutely right. You cannot disconnect the two, and we've got a lot of work ahead of us, and look forward to working with you to continue to build this uh, culture of life in our country. Senator Chuck Grassley.
9: We want to thank you for What you've done to promote pro-life issues as well, because you've been there as long as I have been doing that.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Always good to see you, Senator. Have a great evening. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Senator Chuck Grassley of uh, Iowa. Really, I mean, you look at what Mitch McConnell, Chuck Grassley, and and some of those that you may not hear them out as, uh, you know, the, the tip of the spear for the conservative movement, but they were doing the hard work. And we would not be here without them. So really, I am very grateful. And I can tell you that truthfully from my vantage point here in D.C. All right, folks, we're out of time. And it's always great to see you. I'm so glad you joined us today. But until next time, let me leave you with this. It comes from the Apostle Paul. It's found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.